0: It is 8.05. Here's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com. The Super Bowl will be played today in Santa Clara. It'll be Peyton Manning and the Broncos against Cam Newton and the Panthers. Coldplay performing the halftime show, but they'll be joined by Beyonce, who, if you haven't heard Formation, you gotta look it up. Go on your computer, your mobile device, and listen to Formation. That thing bangs. The Bruins have taken points in three straight games. Against terrible teams, it was Brad Marchand playing hero last night with a shootout goal in overtime to give the Bees a 2-1 win over the Sabres. Marchand has nine goals in his last nine games, 24 on the season, on pace for 39 this season. He going to get paid going in, or after this season, going into a couple years from now, I should say. Providence Bruins goaltender Malcolm Subban spent the night in the hospital after getting hit in the throat with a puck in warm-ups last night. Subban left the game in an ambulance prior to puck drop. Weather, it's 32 degrees. Sunday Skate continues next with Fred in New Hampshire. I'm DJ Bean. That's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com.
1: Lace him up. Because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEI.com's DJ Bean.
0: You know what? I know that there's only two hours, so we can't do it, but if there were a third hour, I was honestly going to request you just play the old open. I don't care if Pete's not in there at all. I, there I, is no old open, that's the thing. This uh, replaced, replaced the old it. open. Oh, man. I fought, I fought pretty darn hard to get in Pete. the open. You're, you're taking that, this well, out on Pete. This is not right. I, know? All I wanted was an open with Pete in it, because I, I felt that it, it didn't reflect the show correctly, if it was saying it was just me and Joey Mac.
1: But if it's at your expense, well, no, if it's, then let's go back to the old O. <laughs> yeah. If it's
0: at my expense, then,
1: man, I would rather them say well, anything than put me third. All right, Martian, just hog the puck while you, why don't you?
0: Well, I've scored nine goals in the last nine <laughs> games.
1: Fair enough. Uh, yeah.
0: Man, that that really that really gets me. Uh, okay, we've had Fred in New Hampshire waiting for for far too long, and uh, Fred is awesome. So, good morning, Fred. Morning, Joey. Hi. Hi.
2: Uh-huh. Getting up uh, this early—it this reminds me of my youth hockey days. My—I even had my uh, my 93, soon to be 93-year-old mother to call me to wake me up so I wouldn't miss it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, man, oh man. Back to Well, the shouts days. out
0: to her, 93. Yeah. Man.
2: Amazing. Um, Marshawn, what them that was such a sweet goal Thursday. Yes. That was, that was beautiful. I mean, you don't see that often. And uh, the way he turned and, and put it backhand, top corner—that
0: was a horrible goal to give up, by the way. But yeah, it was very impressive.
2: But uh, you know, bringing to Marchand, uh third round pick, seventy-first overall. What if we didn't expect more from him? What would he, what would he be? A third, maybe a third liner, maybe a fourth liner. No, okay. And that brings me to Boleski. I mean, last week he said, "Oh." $4 million that you expect, Fred, get goals. No. I mean, he puts on the Bruins sweater. We should expect more. I mean, he was a fourth round.
0: Oh, boy. If you put on the Bruins sweater, if if putting on the Bruins sweater means that you have to be really good, then I've got some bad news for you about a lot of guys over the years.
2: No. Listen, DJ. Um, Terry O'Reilly, That's did Joey. you? I mean, I, I know you didn't see him when he first came up. He couldn't even skate. He tripped over the blue line. Okay, what did he become? Pretty good. That's because, yes, and that's because in this town we expect more from our players. Now, this Ugh. guy is making close to $4 million. All right? He's got eight goals. Last year, what did he do in the playoffs? He did really what'd... well. Yes. So that shows that the guy can do more than he's doing now. What's so bad about...
0: What's you so think hard? that Bolesky's lack of production is for lack of effort? I... you. I can't say that about Bolesky.
2: Well, um, you d- he was... Is he doing... You know, after after the morning skates or after the skates, after the practice, is he doing extra work to become... How did shan get where he is? Because he... By doing
0: extra work after morning skates. Yeah. I'm kidding!
2: By being extremely skilled! Wait, you don't think he put in extra work when he was first he came up to say, I'm going to be better than this?
0: They all put and in that, extra work. Tyler Sagan, who was... Doing God knows what, and God does know what he was doing uh, off the ice was was going crazy in the we, weight room we, we, and, we wanna, and doing everything. About, he was a rink we wanna rat. Talk.
2: We want to talk about the three points in January. Kyle Sagan, uh, Sagan's going to be Sagan, okay? He's going to be he's going to be H- He is not going to be anything mm. come playoffs. But I'm, I'm I'm expecting more out of this guy. Uh, you know, let me give you another name. It's called. His name is Joey.
0: Juno. Pavel- Who?
2: Joey Pavelski. Joe Pavelski. You, you know what his pick was? He was picked two hundred and one. Okay. How did he get where he is? I. Pavelski's got the size. He's got he's got um, the, the skills. You don't score fourteen goals in the playoffs and be what he is. Hello.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so here's uh, the thing.
2: Okay. Last thing for you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Trump, Jerry Springer. That's the ticket. <laughs> what? Take care, guys. Bye. Walk Bye. off
0: grand slam from Fred. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, where do we start there? Uh, all right. So
2: quickly. No. We... <laughs> Listen, DJ.
0: How you got so many things out of that, Maddie? You got. You got yes. Yeah, I like that and, one. And uh, you got hey Joey. <laughs> <laughs> um so you got a lot out of that. Uh on the whole NHL draft thing, it's the NHL draft is like the baseball draft. You can be undrafted, you can be a 55th round pick, you can be whatever. And I mean, Jamie Benn was a 5th round pick, Tory Krug was undrafted. There are a it's it's all over the place. The there are a lot of Bad first round picks. It's by no means the the scientific process that, um, or the I should say the the exact science that uh, that say the NFL draft or the the NBA draft is. So the fact that he's a that Marchand was a third round pick and is a great player, that's not a surprise. He you ever want
3: to get anybody mad, you can just mention the fact that uh, I believe the pick that Jamie Ben was picked with. Originally belonged to the Bruins.
0: Yes, it it did. Uh, and how did I think was it was that? the Adam McQuaid yeah, trade? It was the McQuaid trade? It was the the there was a Blue Jackets pick that found its way to uh, to uh, <clears throat> to Dallas. And what was another one? The the Bruins picked Seth Griffith with the pick they got for trading the rights of Benoit Pouliot hmm. to to Tampa. So. He was a fifth-rounder, right, Griffith? Griffith was a yeah. fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you it's you see some of the goalies where they're picked, how they're undrafted. Again, I mentioned Torrey Krug is undrafted. Brett Conley was a first-round pick. Brett so Conley that, was yeah. the sixth overall says pick. says all. I mean, yeah, yeah so, I,
1: I hear what you're saying.
0: And on Bolesky, though, I can't say it's lack of trying or lack of effort with him. I think that, I mean, he creates so many goals on which he doesn't get assists from how heavy on the look 4 at, look at he is. Look at Thursday,
1: their first goal Thursday. Mm-hmm. He he gets a third assist, right? Basically, right. he doesn't get credit for one, but he's got net presence. He also, on the 4-check, starts the whole play in the O-zone.
0: Yeah, I think that we were all ready when uh, we talked about this last week. We were all ready to say that Matt Bolesky was going to be a really bad free agent signing for somebody. And when it came down to, when, when word trickled out that, the Bruins are the ones that are going to sign him, and you think,
1: oh, man, what well, like, are they doing? he was doing? the best guy on the market, so you knew you were going to have to overpay for him, right?
0: But 3.8, yeah, I, I didn't mean, feel bad about when they signed. Like, so, like, to
1: Fred's point, he's a third-line player, and he's making that kind of money, so maybe you expect more from from the dollar figure, But or he should be a top-six guy, which he probably will be but when they you trade get Louis him in, you get
0: him in free agency. I mean, Kevin Paul DuPont made this point on uh, cross-check on CSN the other day that I couldn't disagree with more that uh, that Mapoleski is a modern day Martin Lapointe no like <laughs> Mapoleski is being paid like a good third liner and he was acquired in free agency right So usually when you get if you want to get a good third liner in free agency you have to pay him like a top six forward because free agency is so ridiculous with what the market has become. So you got market value. For a pretty good player, not a great player, which is why he's not making $6, 7000000 million. If, if Matt Bolesky was a surefire top six player, he'd be making, he would have gotten $6 million a year. This isn't the 2005 back from the lockout, Joe Thornton makes $5 million and, and that's what, and $5 million means you're a great, great player. It's 2015, 16, and if you're a pretty good third liner, you get $3.8 million. I mean, Matt Bolesky makes a heck of a lot less than Clarkson got. Then, then who's the, the guy? Oh, uh, Brian Bickle got, he makes what? $200,000 less than Brian Bickle. And Bolesky's a, Hell of a lot more of an impact player. Yeah. Than Anaheim
1: signed Hagelin for like $4 million. Line. He's a third yeah, line I, player. He's not scoring much. I, this I, year. I can't get on the Bruins for the Bolesky contract. Well, it's a weird thing, Pete. Like, they, they have these guys on the team that, like, he and Hayes and uh, your guy, Kevin Miller, these sort of go for it now players, where, like, they did go out and spend some money on Bolesky. It's a little weird if they're going to retool and shoot for, like, next year or the year after. It's, yeah. I don't totally agree with Fred. I like Bolesky as a player, but it is like, what are you doing? Okay, if you're going to get rid of Hamilton and Boychuk and all these guys and you're re-stepping back, then you go out and get Bolesky. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. So
0: for me, I think that they looked at what Milan Lucic was doing and they said, all right, so Milan Lucic goes out there, he wears down opponents, and he's really hard to play against. Maybe he'll get points. Very good chance he won't. And Milan Lucic's production... After his uh, twenty goal season in, uh, or I'm sorry, thirty goal season in 2010-11, and the season with Iginla, the 2014-15 season, those are both really, really good, strong offensive seasons for him. And you say, okay, well, he's playing with Krejci, Krejci's making him much better player, and. Is he worth six million dollars a year, which is what they ended up paying him for three years or for so two Boleskis years? So Boleskis the new Lucic, is what you're saying? I think that they thought, all right, if we can get that kind of mediocre production from a guy who brings a lot of those intangibles and throws a lot of big hits and can make opponents quit, would we rather pay six million dollars for that, which they deemed to be too much? I also thought that was too much. I was totally in favor of them trading Milan Lucic, or. Can we go out and pay a guy who is an above-average third-line player, can play in the top six, you'd rather him be a third-liner, though? We go out, we pay that guy $3.8 million versus the six point the $6 million they were giving Miel Lucic. And remember, Miel Lucic was really, really good as a third-liner last season when he was playing with Spooner and Pasternak down the stretch. But you can't have that guy making $6 million and playing on the third-line in signing Bolesky, they were afforded the opportunity of doing that and putting a guy in that position without people screaming about how overpaid he is, although people are screaming about how overpaid he is, which to me I think is nonsense.
3: It's just if you're screaming about how overpaid Bolesky is, your expect, expectations were too, too high for him to begin with.
0: Right, and I don't think that anybody thought that – so he scored 22 goals last season in 70 games, I think, and then he obviously, as Fred said – He went off
1: in the playoffs. but Playing on a good line. Much
2: better line than
0: he's playing on this year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that they correctly thought if we play this guy a full season with David Krejci, which they haven't, that he'll be good for 15 to high-end 25 goals. And he's got eight goals through, what, 50 games, I think? He's got eight goals through 50 games playing as a third liner or a second liner you'd rather more goals from him he could be at 10 11 12 he had really really bad luck early in the season when his shooting percentage was extremely low it was like that really through through the christmas break so he had bad luck for a really uh for a really long stretch and now he's gone what did i say he's uh one goals uh one goal in his last 16 games so Yikes. He's right. I mean, he, he's not in a good offensive stretch right now.
1: But they, they have a couple guys like that. Even Louis Erickson was in, what, 10 games without One a goal. in 10, yeah. So but I, get, I, I, I just can't look at this team and say
0: the reason – he's part of the reason why they're not scoring a lot of goals. As I said, their last uh, 16 games since the start of the new year, the Bruins, 2.375 goals a game. Scoring is definitely a problem, but I don't look at them and say, man – because they paid Matt Bolesky $3.8 million a year, they're screwed. I think that signing Bolesky was really, really smart because, again, you're allowed to get that third-line Milan
1: Lucic, but you're not paying him $6 million a year. Well, I, will he play in Louis Erickson's spot when they trade him? Because I'm coming along so to this realization, gonna you know, they're going to trade him, right? And as much as Joey Mack, normally in this chair, yeah. a couple weeks ago said he thinks they'll get it done. I guess it's not a fait accompli, but it's it seems close. I mean, they're, they're not talking, right? He didn't... Last I heard, which was Monday, uh, Erickson's camp was waiting
0: on the Bruins to get in touch with them, and they'd made uh, a preliminary offer around, I want to say around Christmas, but it wasn't anything serious, So, and they've, they've had talks here and there. I don't know. Maybe things have picked up in the last few days. I haven't heard anything on that end, but... It's not, not a good
3: sign.
1: It's, it's not a good sign if the clock's ticking towards the trade deadline. You have 11 games left. Yeah. Will, will they wait all the way to the end, like try to rack up as many points as you can with Louis Erickson, and then at the last possible hour, okay, let's trade him. You better have a deal ready to make if
0: you're going to do that, because if you again comparing it to the Dougie Hamilton thing, you don't want to get to the last hour and then say, okay, Louis Erickson's available, right, and then these teams say. Man, we didn't think Eriksson was going to be available, right. so if we get him then that's gravy, but we were prepared to move on without him. So, not
3: yeah, to mention you have sure. to let every team know that he's available, which is a thing right. that they didn't do with Hamilton right. where, Yeah. you know, the Eastern Conference didn't even know that he was available, which <laughs> is the stupidest thing you can do is cut out half the bidders.
0: I actually I don't Sweeney if that were the case, I don't I don't begrudge Sweeney for that. I think that it was smart to not have him in the division, or in the division, or the or the conference. The conference. You, but to rather... not, but for
3: those teams to not even know that right. he was at the very least, packaged. that would
0: drive up the uh, exactly. Yeah. So
3: ultimately, you have the final say on who you want to trade him to, but you should at least let teams know.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not afraid. If I'm the Bruins, I'm not afraid of trading Erikson uh, within the division, within the the conference. Because again, you ain't beaten Washington, so. I'm not afraid of making a move that doesn't, that, that hurts your chances this year because let's face it, if you're trading Louis Erickson at all, then you're saying, we're not
1: going for it. There's no chance they would re sign him after trading him, right? They they wouldn't go after him in free agency.
0: Once Sydney, he's gone, he's the gone. The old Sidney Ponson yeah, special yeah. or the, the Antoine Vermette.
4: Yeah.
3: We uh, talked about that, but how, off, how often does that ever happen? Yeah,
0: doesn't seem Vermette's the only one I can think of in, in recent memory. Um, didn't work for the Red Sox and Leicester yeah I mean it was, yeah. it was one of those right yeah The teams have tried to do it uh, Orioles did it successfully with Sidney a 1,000 years ago as like I said we're met in the Coyotes but I feel like yeah, unless
3: I, the guy absolutely loves the place right uprooting him and sending him somewhere else opens his mind to the opportunity of playing elsewhere right. and he's yeah. already kind of you know packed up his stuff and he can go wherever he wants to go
0: yeah I mean and er- Erickson bought a house here within the last year so I mean, he he likes it fine, but he doesn't strike me as a guy who is
1: like, oh man. He's not I, taking I a discount found... to stay here right. or anything, especially well, when this this could be his
0: last contract.
1: Well, okay, let's say they do that. They trade him. They bump Bolesky up to the top six. Mm-hmm. They bring up Vetrano, who's got 17 goals and 16 AHL games. I mean, he's he doesn't he's better than that level at this right. point. Well, maybe, they, they've got a problem with too. that with with, yeah. with a few guys where like like Pasternak
0: Pasternak was really good last night, but there have been times this season. I know that there have been injuries, but. I mean, the last couple of games leading up to this, you think, man, if only this this kid could just have a full year in Providence and uh, really work out some of those kinks. And then you say, no, because if he goes to Providence, he's just going to score a million goals. And the only thing he risks is developing bad habits because he's just so, so much better than that. Vitrano absolutely in the same uh, category. Griffith at this point, kind of outplaying
1: uh, his status as an AHL player. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know about Bruins fans. I'd like to watch those Coco guys too play up for here. sure. And
0: Coco's horrible in the NHL. <laughs>
1: it, it would be interesting. Now, could they make the playoffs without Erickson and with those guys added? Like you add Vetrano or Seth Griffith, the way Montreal's been sliding, the way Ottawa's been kind of stagnated, mm. you might make it anyway without Louis. I, I, well, you you, you raised a, a a good point that I've since forgotten about. Go ahead. Oh, I, so, if I did, I don't, don't recall it. But I'm just you know just looking at the standings, like. Okay, they're, it's them in Detroit, right? Basically oh, no, no, for the it, was, it was, you,
0: you hold on to Erickson and
1: have Erickson get you as many points as yeah, he can. Well, yeah. Keep him the for the event. next 11 games. Trade him right at the deadline. Okay, bring Frank Vitrano up. And you hope we'll that you have try like, to an, get an get in point cushion yeah, or something right. like that. exactly.
0: But and you know what? Maybe going on the road allows you to do that because, as we said, they, they kind of stink at home and they're a lot better they're on, the good road, on the road. So they're
1: bad against the West, so this is a weird trip. That's up. true. That's
0: a good point. So, yeah, it's, something's, uh, something's got to give here, but... Yeah, maybe Erickson gives you a good enough cushion that you can move him at the the deadline, having built something of a a, a nice uh, lead on these wild card teams. But again, then you're just going to get into the playoffs, and if, if you have to play Washington in the first round, then then well, you're toast. But
1: I think there's some value in just getting in, just getting back in and getting some experience if you're building for next year. But their schedule, Pete, at the next, uh, they, they know this is their last two-day off-stretch in a long time. They've got... Eighteen games in thirty-three days coming up, plus this Western trip. So it's going to be a grind. I don't know if they're going to really thrive on the next eleven. much as I think they're they're playing well in some parts.
3: Well, if you get that many games in that tight of a stretch, that means you're going to be seeing a lot of gusts, which is not great news considering their offensive production. That's a
0: good point, right? And on on Gustafson, I haven't. I know that. You might worry about the heart thing. He's totally healthy to play and cleared and all that. With me, I just don't think he's a good goalie, so I'm worried about seeing a lot of Gus. Uh, all right, we are overdue for a break. Uh, we're gonna come back on the other end. We're gonna talk a little Montreal Canadiens because boy, oh boy, do they stink! Sunday skate on W E I. Even on the rejoins, though. Oh, ah, I want to use the word so badly. I want to say those, and it's... I'm just going to have to cut it if you do that. Do you know... Uh, it's something that Ray Fiennes' character exclaims in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Those... It's the F word, and then ers at the end. If you can use your imagination and kind of... If you know where I'm heading with it. It's that word. Ah! A bunch of those guys here at WEI. Really jerking me around. I hate it. Uh, Sunday Skate... In order of importance, DJ Bean
1: and then a tie, Ken Laird and Pete Blackburn also here. I'm Don't insult Pete like that. I'm dealing with life without Joey here. Life without Louis Erickson soon. Life without Joey now. Right, Ken, It's not pleasant in either situation. Ken Laird doing an admirable job filling in for Joe McDonald.
0: You can hear Ken and Deej. And I would say in that order, you take top billing in the post-game podcast Although, okay. after every game on WEI.com. You can hear uh, Ken and I a little Bruins podcast after every game. It's very fun. Uh, last night, the Montreal Canadiens uh, defeated the Edmonton Oilers. Get this. It was their sixth win since December 3rd because the Canadians uh, have been, there's no better other way to put it, uh, in free fall since uh,
3: they stink.
0: They, they stink. They stink. It's their situation right now. Uh, joining us from Montreal uh, in NHL.com is the great Arpen Basu. Arpen, how are you?
4: I'm well. How are you guys? I can't believe you guys do this uh, this early on Sunday morning. It's, I'm still so astonished.
0: And it's by our request, too. We said they, they gave us the option. They said, "You you guys want, like, a weekday show? At who, is, who is up? Everybody. Man, our, it is poppin'.
3: Fred from New Hampshire.
0: Fred from New Hampshire, Maria from Watertown. The, you should see the phone you can lines. Name, you can name all your listeners? That's great. <laughs> <We> can, <laughs> that's the thing. They're not even callers. We just know, yeah, they're just our listeners. Um, okay. So uh, on the Canadians, I guess the the first question would be, what the hell?
4: What the hell is right? Like Honestly, like I have never... I've never seen anything like this. I don't even know if there's any precedent for this in like professional sport history. Like it is, biz- it's just it's been a bizarre couple of months with these guys. And like, have you ever heard of a team that was nineteen four and three go on to win five of their next twenty six games, or I guess now it's six of their next twenty seven? But it's just-
0: it would be like an NHL team or an NFL team starting what like, like eleven and zero, and then just bombing and I don't, yeah. the, the Bengals actually might have done something like that. But, uh,
5: I
3: realize Carey Price is important, but, I mean, come on.
4: It's, it's about more than that. I mean, it's, it's really, it's been, the thing is, the really intriguing thing about this, for me, who's like, you know, somewhat of a numbers guy, is that, so they started this, this thing in, on, De- like, on December 3rd when they played the Capitals. And they actually, that game against the Capitals, like, they took it to them. They dominated that game and lost. And it set the tone for a month of December where they where on every number that you can look in a game, aside from the score, they night after night dominated really good opponents. Like they did that to Washington, they did it to LA, they did it to Chicago, they did it to St. Louis. Like they're like really quality opponents and they just killed them and lost. Every single time. And so through the month of December they could justifiably say, "Listen, we're playing well. We're just getting, we're just not getting bounces. And like it sounds like an excuse, but it was true. Hmm. But at some point, mentally, that that had an impact on these guys, and so like it, that, were they were just not getting results, and their confidence just went right, like what just went right in the tank. You know, sorry to use that word, but you no. know, it's like the, the big buzzword in Montreal is tank right now. But it did; it went right in the tank. And then in January and February. That wasn't the case anymore. They weren't dominating teams anymore. Then they were just playing legitimately bad and losing. And uh, to find themselves now where they are outside of the playoffs and really sort of fighting for the lives for the rest of the season.
0: Ultimately, I mean, what do you think of the goaltending there with uh, with Condon and, and Scrivens? Because, I mean, the, the team goals have never been a, a strength of, of this Canadian's team of late, but... Uh, are they getting hung out to dry? Are they a mess defensively? What, what's what's resulting in all this?
4: Well, I think earlier, as I mentioned, like through the first half of this slide, that wasn't the case. They weren't getting adequate goaltending, but they weren't scoring either. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, their shooting percentage was at about five percent, and they were getting about nine hundred save percentage goaltending. So, you know, add those up. Not a recipe was, for success. So you see what was going on. Yeah, um, but of late. Uh, they've been just they've been having just horrible defensive breakdowns in front of them, and it, what it hasn't been the goal goaltending has just been brain farts, for lack of a better term, defensively, and just let, like giving up really really high quality scoring chances that you know no goaltender would really stop. I mean the other night in Philly, like Wayne Simmons scored two goals. I think the total distance traveled was probably three feet on both of them. I mean it was you know so it's it's been happening. I mean yesterday against Edmonton who I think, you know, to be generous, is like a porous defensive team. Mm. The Canadians look like an offensive powerhouse, but that just, I think, speaks more to how the Oilers play defense than how the Canadians could score. So, yeah, of late, I would say that the defense has totally let the goaltending down, and with the goaltending that they have, they just can't do that. With With the regular goalie in, you can get away with mistakes, but with the goaltending they've had, the one thing I'll say is that without Cherry Price, when you make a mistake, it's in your net. Well, yeah. there's no mistakes that are forgiven, you know. So, and that that's another thing that impacts confidence because then when you're afraid of making mistakes, you're not going to win.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the the other guy, Carey Price, the name of the game almost for them is it's okay to be in our own zone because, one, a, the puck's not going to go in, and b, once we force them to make a mistake, we're gone and we're we got an odd man rush and we have a really good scoring opportunity. They, they can't play that that way. I mean, is is. Terrian coaching differently to to adapt to that, or are they unable to do that because they've played a certain way in front of Carey Price for so long?
4: Well, the funny thing is, is that over the off season, um, the Canadians hired an analytics consultant, Matt Pepper, who's really you know sort of respected in the analytics community, and did some work with the Ottawa 67s, worked with Hockey Canada, and they had they made Antarian has admitted this, they made a, a organizational decision. That they were going to become a better possession team, and they did that. Mm. They, became, they became a top five possession team in the league over the summer, which they've always been a bottom third right. possession team in the past. So they figured if we do this, plus we have Carey Price in nets, this should be a winning combination, which is, you know, in theory, a great idea. Um, but now it's so now they're doing that. They are actually spending more time in the opposing end than they do their own. Um, but, again, without Carey Price, they don't, like, opposing teams don't need to spend that much time in the Canadiens and score a goal. Right. So, that's what's been the most frustrating thing, for I think, for these guys, is that they, they set a goal for this season, which was to become a better possession team. And Michel Terrain actually, like, referred to their rank. He said, we went from 22nd to 3rd not so long ago. And I was just, like, I thought it was in the twilight zone. Like, <laughs> Michel Terrain is making, you know, specific analytics references in his press conference, I'm like, where am I? Michelle, just, I if if I heard I'm Michelle
0: Terrian say a smart thing, I would say, <laughs> you, where am I?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I was kind of it. And so, you, you know, this was the guy who always sort of poo-pooed anything we mentioned about, you know, possession time or, or you know, spending too much time in your own end. He's like, listen, this is, you know, they were a counter-strike team. Was what he would always kind of say, a counter-attack team. And, you know, they decided that they were not going to be that anymore. They were going to be a possession team, and they did it and it's blown up in their face. So I mean it's it's you know, it's hard to for them, they've kind of achieved their goal and it's led to, you know, one of the worst stretches in franchise history and and I would suggest one of the weirdest slumps I've ever seen. Probably the weirdest slump I've ever seen. I've never how do you go from eleven points up in your division and love and life and then winning, you know, five games over the next eight weeks. It just it's it's a really, really bizarre turn.
3: What's the general feeling up there in regards to Terrian? Are, are fans ready to see the team make a change or no?
4: Well, yeah. But, I mean, the thing with Terrian here is that he, he's always been sort of untouchable because of his results. I mean, you look at his record since he took over here, and it's a great record. And this is the irony is that there's always been like, well, look at his rec- Look at his record. And how do you criticize the coach when he has a record like that? Now, you say, well, now all of a sudden it's about, you know, all the other stuff aside from the record. He's making arg he's making analytics arguments. He's, you know, he's saying we're we're out playing teams. We're just not getting wins. And so, on the base of the, on the basis of that, you say, okay, well, the coach is doing actually a better job. They're just not they're just not winning. They're just kind of in a bad rut here. Um, but there's always there's always this underlying sentiment in Montreal that Tarion's not the guy. And, you know, I don't entirely disagree with that. He's not the guy to take them to the next level. Um, but when something like this happens, obviously it becomes, it becomes, you know, sort of a roller coaster of getting get rid of the coach. Mark Bergevin is kind of painted himself into a corner by giving him, you know, the ultimate vote of confidence and saying no matter what happens this season, he's not getting fired. He actually said those words. Um and then they went on to lose like back to back to Columbus <laughs> and, and then Columbus, they said oh you know, yeah <laughs> against Toronto. I mean they they played like they played just they're, they're actually ending t- today against Carolina this run of teams who are not in the playoffs and they had lost pretty much every game until yesterday when you know they beat the Oilers so um but it looks like Terry's going to finish the season at the very least and he just got a contract extension so um, but I think it'd be fair to say that, like over the course of the next, you know, few weeks or until the end of the season, Terry is probably fighting for his job here.
1: Arpen, will the uh, Canadians be sellers at the deadline?
4: That's hard to say because the thing with Carey Price is, you know, how do you really decide what you're going to do this season until you know for sure that Carey Price is back or he won't be back? So I think in the next. Week. If they decide to shut Carey Price down and say that he's just not coming back, that will be their admission that they're going to be sellers. And so personally, I think what they're going to do is that they're just not going to do anything. They're not going to be buyers, and they won't be sellers, and they're going to say, listen, this is our group. You guys get out of this, and then if Carey Price comes back, we can sneak into the playoffs. Maybe we can do some damage, but you know, I don't think they're going to double down and invest in this team. But I also don't think they're going to send a message to a room that we've given up because the team is not that bad. I mean, you know, objectively speaking, this is not a bad team, and it's definitely not a five wins in eight weeks team. So um, I think it would be hard for Mark Bergerman to go into his room and say, listen, I'm giving up. So if anything, I think they'll stand pat. They might maybe get rid of, like, one impending, you know, USA, but I doubt they're going to be very active at the deadline.
0: It sounds... <clears throat> sounds almost Arpen like the Bruins last season where kind of out of nowhere they fall off and yeah there are reasons you can point to it last year you could say well they're weak on on D they lost Boychuk. they lost to Ginla. but generally they still have very very good players and should be much better than now and that's pretty much what the Bruins did I mean that they ended up making a hockey trade for for Brett Conley but they didn't end up selling off Soderbergh they didn't end up making a big splash for for any sort of player I mean the Canadians, if they want to, if they can't figure it out, they're still, what, five points out of a, a, a playoff spot, which in the Eastern Conference, normally you'd say, oh, well, if you're not in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, then you're not going to make the playoffs, even though the Leafs are always in a playoff spot in Thanksgiving <laughs> and they never make the playoffs. But uh, you, you could make that argument that it's too tough to make up the ground. If I'm the Canadians, I think, man, if we can ever pull our heads out, we still can get in the playoffs.
4: Yeah, and, I mean, the caveat, like, I mean, the the like the elephant in the room there is, like, every morning, Carey Price is on the ice, and, but no one seems to have a firm handle on when he's going to be back, or if he's going to be back. So, that's the big wild card with this team. Like, it's hard to make a decision to go for it or not, or, or stand, pa- or do whatever, to make any decision whatsoever at the deadline when you don't know when your best player is going to be back, and you know, arguably the best player in the league is going to be back. And so, for them, I think it would be a reasonable thing to do to say, listen, we're not going to start spending draft picks or anything to help you guys out. You guys got into this situation. You guys have to get out of it. But if you guys get into the playoffs, we have this guy who can potentially come back. And in order to get into the playoffs, he could actually maybe come back and trigger a run here. So, I mean, you never want to like, depend on one guy to totally turn around what has been you know, an unmitigated disaster for the last two months. But if there is one guy in the league who could do that, right. it's probably Carey Price. Yeah. So it's tough to say that they can't do it when they're sitting on this potential goldmine coming back all of a sudden and sending them on this ridiculous run to, to end the season. So I don't think at this point, I don't think anyone in the city really sees that happening, but you can't say it's impossible.
0: I'm telling you, the Bruins are going to monitor the hell out of this Canadian situation because they're probably deciding themselves whether or not they're buyers, sellers, or whatever, and I think that if they have it on good authority or feel confident enough that the Canadians will not be in the playoffs, they'll be like, eh, really, we only have to worry about the Capitals then, and everybody else is just as bad as we are, so I think that if the Canadians make the playoffs and the Bruins are like, "All right, now we've got two teams that... that we should feel confident something bad is going to happen against. So, uh, yeah, that the Canadians could do wonders for the Bruins' playoff chances, or it could trick the Bruins into being buyers and then crashing and burning in the first round. So,
4: and the funny, and, but the funny thing about that is that can you be totally confident that the Capitals are not going to stink in the playoffs? Oh, I am so like, I mean, based on their history. Like, I mean, they're a fantastic team. I know, but I don't mean, know what they're going to be like in the playoffs. You
0: know, last two years I've been so all in on the Capitals, and th- this year's got to be the year, just because the the Eastern Conference sucks so bad. If they don't, it's like saying this if is they the do, San Jose's year, the Sharks, it, they'll get them this year. Well,
3: if they if they don't do it this year, they're never going to do it.
0: Well, I mean, you just hope they stay healthy, and you you hope that I mean, do what teams do at the deadline: load up on as many D as possible. It, like as long as the Capitals equip themselves for a long playoff run. There's no way they can't win the Eastern Conference.
4: Yeah, these are words that have been said before. (laughs) I know, I know. know, You 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 just don't know. I mean, listen, I have full confidence that the Capitals are going to represent these in the Stanley Cup final. Like, I have no—the only doubt I have in that is that they're the Washington Capitals. Like, that's the only thing. It's not a rational argument. You know, like, there's no reason objectively to look at them and say, well, they should lose to— any team in the east but there's a big but there yeah so like we gotta we gotta wait and see and you know if they go and if they go out and like manage to get like a dustin bufflin or something then you know it should be game over but yeah past but, you know history suggests that something weird is going to happen to those guys
0: all right well thank you very much arpenford for, for joining us uh this has been absolutely lovely uh enjoy <laughs> today's game against the who they got today the hurricanes
4: they got the Hurricanes. That should be a barn burner. So this is, I, I'm like, <laughs> I would go so far as to say like, their season is basically on the line today. Wow. Like, this is, like, they had to sweep this weekend in order to make it a realistic proposition to make the playoffs. And so they, they did part one, and they did it pretty convincingly. But today's the real test.
3: The Canadian season on the line in a Sunday in February against the Carolina and Hurricanes. That's <laughs> what it,
0: that's what this season has come to for the Montreal Canadiens. Man, oh man. Well, thank you very much, Arpin. Uh, yeah, enjoy today's game.
4: All right, my pleasure, guys. All
0: right, thanks, Arpin. Uh, that's Arpin basu of NHL. Um, he's excellent, and he illustrated just how scary things are in Montreal. I mean, we we think that we've got. Things bad here watching the Bruins. It's, I mean, we didn't even get to it. People are talking about trading P.K. Subban. Not the Canadians, but wow. crazy fans and, and media are bringing it up. It, it's nuts over there.
3: Yeah, but I bet if we were in Montreal, we'd have a better time slot than 7 to 9 a.m.
0: That's a, <laughs> no, that's a very good point. All right, uh, we're going to come back with the final segment of uh, Sunday Skate. If you got one last call you want to squeak in, 617-779-7937. Otherwise... You guys can talk to Chris Price and Danny Picard after us. That's going to be a much better show. So, yeah, Sunday Skate W E I. Good choice, Maddie. Excellent choice. We defy the logic of all sex laws here on Sunday Skate. Oh man, makes me want to boogie. Arvin was great. He's he's excellent. Uh, Canadians are not right now. Uh, Danny Picard is up next with Chris Price. What up, Danny? Hey, what's up? Uh, Let me pose a question to you, to all three of you that uh, we were discussing off the air. What is a bigger takeaway right now? Brad Marchand's excellence or Brett Conley's Brett Conley right now?
5: Am I going? Is this on me? This is to me? Um, I think you got to go with Brad Marchand's excellence. Hmm. That's what you have to go with. I mean, Brett Conley... I, you know, I thought he would be a, a little better than this, but I don't think I expected him to come in and be a superstar. I thought that he was going to score twenty goals this season.
1: In uh, fact, I believe last week you—last week I said I willing w- to bet me he was going to score. 20 I said goals. I was
0: like Brett Conley's going to score tonight, and then I'm going to declare that he's going to score twenty goals this season because playing on that line, you—you you don't say, get the puck a lot if you're on that line. It's almost impossible.
3: It's almost impossible to look bad playing and. In- playing next to those guys.
0: But it's also very hard to to be a star playing next to those guys, which, again, really mm. highlights how good Tyler Sagan was, that he led the team in scoring, playing on the right of Patrice Bergeron, because Bergeron's a righty. He's got a really good guy on his left. He's always looking to his left. You can be invisible on that line and be fine, but Brett Conley, man, for the, for the skill he has, for the shot that he has, the shot, right? Very, I mean, he's got a big story. shot,
5: yeah. right-handed shot. That's what this team needed. I think because of those things, uh, and and Tampa Bay, maybe he didn't get his full chance there. Yeah. I, I said it could happen here, especially if he's on the line that he's on. He's going to get his shots. It's almost like he doesn't even get his shots, and and yeah. I, I don't, know if well, that, I don't even you know, have, know if that's yeah, because... Well, last night.
3: Yeah, we talked about the one yeah. that he had last night, which yeah. we couldn't even figure out if it was a shot or a pass. And honestly, <laughs> you don't know which one's worse.
0: Well, that was the thing. I was looking up his shooting percentage uh, a few weeks ago when he was like really in the thick of this drought uh, that he remains in the thick of. And I was like, is he having bad luck? Is his shooting percentage really low? And no, he's not shooting the puck a lot. Yeah, he's, no, like, he's not. He's not getting the opportunities to get those shots off. And when he does, I mean, last night, man gift-wrapped, and he put it right in goaltender's tummy. Now, the goaltender happened to be out of the net, so it, was <laughs> a ve- so it was even worse than shooting it right at the goaltender. He shot it at the goaltender when the goalie wasn't in the net. And not- Ken
3: said it last night that he said, I didn't, I didn't hear this, but he said that he played, he thought he played well last night.
1: Conley, after the game, said he thought, he thought his last couple games he's played well, he's getting chances, but he's not even picking up assists. He has two assists yeah. in 26 games, playing with Marshan and Bergeron. Yeah, I mean, I
5: think a player like that, it is, is, it's a confidence thing. I mean, he's, he's he's grown up playing hockey, being a goal scorer. He's got a big shot. When he's not scoring goals, what else are you doing to gain confidence? Right. You know what I mean? He's not a playmaker. He's not somebody that's out there throwing his weight around like everybody else. He's got to put the puck in the net. If he's not doing that, he's got to find a way to get some confidence.
3: Certainly had go. the opportunity <laughs> last night and he didn't do it. So. Right?
0: Uh, maybe, maybe an, an, I mean, he had an empty netter a couple weeks ago, and then he scored a, a big goal a couple of games later. Maybe he just needs more empty netters. Uh, what are you guys talking about, Danny? I have Chris a Price? I have a
5: list of prop sheet a prop bets oh, here. Uh, oh awesome. uh, it's like fourteen pages. The best one that I have, will there be an earthquake?
3: That's yeah. a good one. The Beyonce's cleavage is another Plus one. Plus
5: a thousand. Yeah. I, you know what? Didn't I see cle- that. Some Beyonce's shoes. Chris Price's cleavage. cleavage.
3: Beyonce's cleavage is I, one I, of them. Do
5: you know the uh the line on that? The money line? Or you we um, might have to add that
3: to the list. Th- it was yes, was the favorite. Do
0: you know that last year people <laughs> actually Said no on cleavage for Katy Perry. That was the easiest prop bet last year. I won. Yeah, at but my they Super can cheat. The
5: thing is, she knows that's on there. She can control that. She knows oh, what people are gonna so, bet. You know, it's she like, wants to
3: make some quick money. Kind of like here's
5: another one. How many times will they say "dab" on the broadcast? I think it's oh, two, and a half. two and a half. But if they know it's that's the case, you know, Jim Nance can go right at the beginning. Dab, well, dab, didn't, that, dab, didn't that happen dab. with a Pats game
0: this year? It's got the ova. Well, they, well, Brill cream should do a Super Bowl commercial. Al you, guys did, you, know, yes. you guys know Brill cream? It's uh, the hair product, the greasy stuff. Yeah, and their, uh, their their slogan or whatever is a little dabble, do ya?" You guys didn't grow up in the 60s, clearly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All
5: right, that'll do it for Sunday Skate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chris Price next with Danny Picard. Uh, Sunday Skate, this has been awesome. Thanks to Matt Loper. Thanks to Ken Laird for pinch hitting. For Joy Mac, thanks for, to Pete Blackburn, as usual. Ryan Spooner, Arpin Basu. I'm sure you can hear those interviews on WEI.com. And uh, enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy Chris Price and Danny Picard up next.
2: Trump, Jerry Springer. That's the ticket.
4: That thing bangs.